Welcome to the California Sun Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Sheckman. Sixty days ago, healthcare in the minds of most people existed in its own silo. It was about cost and accessibility. It was both a hot-button public issue and the most personal of choices. Like politics, people often loved their doctors but hated the system. Today, with what we're experiencing, we're seeing that health and disease are the great equalizers. It touches so much more than just cost. As such, we're all learning that the healthcare equation now includes the intersection of data, research, and technology. In the past, we've relied on our great research institutions to be at the cutting edge of health. Today, though, as we've talked about before on this podcast, Silicon Valley and California's booming biotech industry has a significant place at the table. And as every public health official today talks more about data, who more obviously to be at that table than Google, its parent company, Alphabet, and its life science company, Verily. After all, they're all companies about data, technology, and research. As such, they are front and center through their project baseline in joining with the governor's office and the state's public health authorities in expanding access to COVID-19 screening and testing initially in the Bay Area. And as we will learn, their ongoing work really is about the future of medicine in the 21st century. Joining me to talk about this is Dr. Jessica Maga, the co-founder and chief medical and scientific officer of Verily. She's a graduate of Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, a former professor of cardiovascular disease at Harvard, and it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Jessica Mega to the California Sun podcast. Doctor, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks so much for having me today. Well, it's a delight to have you here. First of all, before we talk about the, the work that you're doing today, give us a little history, a little background on Verily. And uh, you were there at the present, at the creation, as they say. Tell us a little bit about how it came to be. So Verily started within Google X, and there was a group of people interested in thinking about how do you take this convergence of technology and life science and healthcare and make this meaningful for the individuals that you talked about on the ground who are really at the epicenter of, of healthcare? What we realized very quickly is that this was such an important initiative, and we ended up forming the company called Verily, which is a branch of Alphabet focused, as I mentioned, on life science and healthcare. And over the last five years, we've been able to, to build a number of different programs that are out there in the world. We have solutions like surgical robotics. We've been working on the baseline platform and project baseline, which I hope we get to talk about more today. And then we have care solutions. So programs that are linking people to more broad diabetes care. And so all of these, what, what brings them all together is this infrastructure that's dealing with next generation health and next generation health data. In your view, why has it taken so long for this coming together of technology and medicine? Some of it is the technology itself, and some of it, interestingly, is the people. So on one hand, if you think about it, even a few years ago, we knew so much information when someone was in the hospital, but then the minute someone would leave the hospital, it would be much harder to understand what was going on with their health. So as a cardiologist, for example, I might know someone's heart rate, their blood pressure, their intercardiac pressures, but the minute they leave, they're no longer connected to this holistic form of, of healthcare. And we're starting to learn more about that. And you see many groups working on sensors and programs to link people uh, between the standard healthcare and much more distributed healthcare. 
The other thing is that there was a period of time where we used to talk about where you compute, where are your physical computers. Now it's much more about how do you compute? How do you use uh, tools and technologies like the cloud to bring information together? So this is a very momentous time bringing healthcare and technology together. And you're seeing people wanting to work in different ways than they maybe did before. Healthcare workers partnering with software engineers, designers partnering with scientists. This is this is a very exciting time for this kind of work. And Project Baseline is in many ways the penultimate example of that. Talk a little bit about what Project Baseline is and how it came together within the context of the current crisis. So Project Baseline has been a program that Verily has been working on for now five plus years. It started with the Project Baseline Health Study that was done in conjunction with Duke University, Stanford, the American Heart Association, and Google. And it was this idea of what what is comprehensive health and what tools and systems would you need to understand comprehensive health? And so if you think about health data traditionally, we're talking about maybe a few gigabytes of data, but it's projected that in the, even in the next five to 10 years, there's gonna be a 1500 fold increase in health information. People are starting to recognize potentially sleep patterns are relevant to health or dietary patterns. And all of this information needs to come together to really understand health and disease. And so Project Baseline, as I mentioned, started with the baseline health study, a comprehensive look into health. It then morphed and continued to grow with the baseline community. We partnered with the American Heart Association on a Research Goes Red registry, and more recently working with health systems as well as industry. And so several weeks ago, when we were asked by local and state and and federal government officials to say, is there anything that you have been working on where you might be able to employ it? We looked at what we had and we said, you know, this baseline platform and some of these tools could be very relevant to this public health crisis. And that allowed us to move so quickly. Talk a little bit about how you move quickly, the testing sites that you got up initially and how it's expanded during the course of the crisis. Well, there were several challenges that we needed to to help address. When we were working with our public health official colleagues, what they asked for was this way to understand how to how to work with an individual on understanding their screening, getting them to the right testing site and responsibly getting that information, that precious health information back to them. And so what we did is is two different things. Uh, We were able to create a platform where public health officials could look at different risk criteria and get the tests to the right people. We have worked on automated scheduling. Originally it was more manual, now it's automated. And then going forward, we've now also integrated in several different ways the responsible return of results that goes through a health professional. Now there was that piece and then there was also physically standing up the sites. And that's where we had over a thousand volunteers between Verily and Alphabet partnering on the ground with, with local health officials to stand up the sites. So there's been a lot of movement in the last few weeks. Explain a little bit about the automated nature of this process. One of the things we've heard so much about is how difficult it's been for people to get tested, long lines for testing, how long it takes to get the results. One of the things that you've tried to do is create an automated and integrated approach to this. What have you done? When you think about the end-to-end program, there's so many different details along the way. The first piece is to understand the different risk criteria for developing COVID-19. And so when working with the Department of Public Health, they wanted to understand how do you get not just 
more tests because we have a limited number of tests, but how do you get the right test to the right person? How do you get that test to the individual who has a symptom, but also has a high risk feature? So imagine someone who recently had an exposure to someone with COVID-19 or someone who's working on the front lines who is both at risk of exposure, but also could be contagious and infecting other people. So we have to work on that piece so that that information would come in and could be adjusted based on the epidemiology. The second piece was getting people in a really streamlined way to come to a site. And so we worked on automated scheduling. As you can imagine, if you opened up a site and a thousand people showed up all at once, that would be very hard, both for those individuals as well as the teams on the ground. So really making this a streamlined process. And then on the back end, integrating with the labs, the labs continue to work on the fastest turnaround time as possible. And then responsibly telling people what to do especially if they have a positive result. And so the platform has been able to, to link, I almost think of it as the fabric between a lot of these pieces to help link this all together. And what were the goals by way of metrics that you set out to accomplish when you began this? When we first started, the, our main, main goal was to partner with public health officials in any way we could. And so we said, if we can help you stand up these sites and if we can work on software that's helpful, we would, we would consider that a success. What we saw very rapidly from our first two sites, and again, we started in a, in a very thoughtful and measured way, was that, that there was something that was valuable to the community here. And so California chose to continue to expand the program, so from Santa Clara and San Mateo, then to Riverside and Sacramento. And so we are seeing momentum. We've screened thousands of people across California through these programs. And then I think there's a second point that's really important to highlight. And that is that along the way, there are many lessons that both we've learned as well as California. And we put together a guide sharing these lessons, sharing best practices for sites that may choose to expand through this program or sites that are are working independently, because this is going to take a community and a village to address this pandemic. And we are just more than happy that we've been able to share this publicly. Talk a little bit about some of those best practices, some of the things that you've learned already within the relatively short time frame that this has been up and running. Well, the first piece that we've seen is that the epidemiology of COVID-19 continues to change. And so you need to create systems where public health officials can change the screening criteria and match the right test to the right person. It also really depends if you're living in an area that we call a hotbed, or if you're living in an area that hasn't been as significantly impacted. Again, the criteria have to really be able to marry the the changing epidemiology with the screening parameters. The second thing is trying to make this as convenient for people. This is a time where people are are dealing with so many complex issues, um, many, 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 many issues that people, either they're taking care of themselves, their extended families, they're sheltering in place. We've seen all of that. So wanting to make at least the testing as straightforward as possible. Here's a time to come to the site. You stay in your car during the particular testing and you're able to to go about your way. And then I think the, the third one is having information that's ultimately going to inform of the next set of sites a group might open or criteria. So it comes back to your opening talking about data and the power and the data is only as useful as it is that it gets into the hands of the people where where it really matters. And in this case, it's individuals uh, who may be affected and public health officials that are making, making really important decisions every day. 
So those were lessons that we've shared. And then the other thing I should tell you for the guide and for anyone who's interested, a lot of them are also just practical. Uh, We share some signage. Um, How do you communicate to people when they're in their cars and their windows are rolled down? Uh, How do you get people from, uh, we have A to B to C stations uh, actually in the drive-through. So it's, it's everything from the high level insights to what I would call boots on the ground, getting the job done insights. Have you laid out some parameters in terms of what you expect from all the data to come out of this, not only for public health officials here in California, but also the value of this information globally? In this program, we are working on behalf of the Department of Public Health. And so this information will be used by them to help really best practices for their community. What are they recommending about different guidance on on sheltering in place or not? How are they monitoring their communities? How are they making sure that individuals know if they're they're tested positive or negative? And so we really, in this particular program, are here to provide our services and our platform in any way that would be helpful, again, to the individuals who need the data the most, which in this case are the patients and public health officials. How does this all integrate with the other work that Verily is doing? And what are the chances of achieving some combined success out of all of this as it relates to other work that you're doing? Well, I'll start by talking a bit about Project Baseline and and where we started. And for anyone who may be listening, who's a volunteer in the program, I want to personally thank you. We've been working, as I mentioned, uh, starting with Duke and with Stanford to really understand comprehensive health. The goal of the, the program has always been to close and start to narrow the gap between research and care. If you think about how many years it takes to get the right evidence to impact care, it it can be a a relatively long period of time. And the only way that we get new medicines and devices and digital tools and even new care delivery programs to people is you get the right evidence. And so um, in many ways, the work we've been doing for years is trying to bridge the gap between research and care. And this particular program around COVID-19, the baseline COVID-19 program, in some ways has just been accelerating that kind of work. It's it's saying, if there's a problem, how do you marry, how do you get individuals the right information that they need? So really closing that information gap. So I do believe that it continues to, to build on core strengths that, that we've been developing over the last five years. And I, I think that's been particularly rewarding to us and our teams. Is one of the goals in all of this, and, and you've seen it from, from many perspectives in the medical community, to narrow that gap, to narrow that timeline between research and care? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's really an imperative because the only way that you accelerate discovery, and, and I'll even step back, we know that in, in life science and healthcare, unless you know that something's safe and effective, it's very hard as a physician for me to embrace that. Uh, we live in a world where I think we're very lucky that we, we practice evidence-based medicine. But if you look at the time and the investment it takes to get the appropriate research, sometimes it can be staggering. And in some cases, it can even limit innovation and discovery. And so that has been a real goal of Project Baseline is, is how do you accelerate these discoveries and get evidence to people and and really move, let's say, maybe even the next therapy for COVID-19 through in a responsible rapid and ethical fashion. So I think that we we feel a huge amount of responsibility to create these tools and these technologies that help accelerate this work. Verily has been working in the area of global health. Talk about the global aspect to this. 
One thing I always think about is healthcare is really global. It is the grand unifier. Um, so everyone, whether they live here uh, in California or whether they are living globally, likely knows someone who's suffering with a health ailment. And I'm very proud to be part of the medical community where I think we've made we've made great progress in the last years and decades, but there's so much more that we can be doing. And so whether you think about testing a new medicine, it's important to know not just how it works in the handful of people who live right around where I do, but how does this medicine affect people more broadly? And Verily has always had a global approach to the work we do. We have programs that we do in partnership with people in India, for example. We have programs uh, that are going on currently in the Netherlands. And this is something, and I think COVID-19 is only reinforcing that, that healthcare and life science really is a global phenomena. Given the importance of lots of data and research in this new world, talk a little bit about the concerns with respect to privacy and security. People may not be thinking about it now in the midst of the crisis, but certainly it is something that does concern people. I think that it, there are two things that are important, as you said. There's privacy and then, as you mentioned, security. And so certainly in the case of this program, as I mentioned, with COVID-19, we're working on behalf of the government and we're working in conjunction with the California Department of Public Health. We have committed to them that we are working in systems that keep people's information securely stored. That's why we, we work on systems where you need an account, an account to authorize and understand that the right person is getting the right test and the data is coming back. Again, in this case, it's all on behalf of the California government. But I think it's a place where you're seeing technology partners raise their hand and say, if there's something that you could leverage for this kind of application, please let us know, because these are companies that have spent years working on creating secure platforms. And finally, how do you think this will tie into the future of Verily? And when this crisis passes, what's next? So certainly the work that we're doing here, and, and I should mention at Verily, we have worked through the COVID-19 screening and testing program. We're also working on other potential applications where we can help uh, with this particular pandemic. And we certainly would love to keep you posted on, on all of those. And, and I think across Alphabet, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing a number of different important initiatives. What I've seen on the ground is this only strengthens our mission. I think people realize that living at the intersection of technology, life science, and healthcare is such a rewarding place to work. And so I think not only is it forwarding our programs, but it's also forwarding our, our mission as a company and who we are as a community. So I, I think this is an incredibly complex time, um, but I have been really proud to be part of both our group and then the partnerships we've created to, through this, this particular program, for example, uh, with the state of California to, to just re reinforce that this is important work and I, I think it lifts us up. That's what gives people hope. Dr. Jessica Mega, she's the co-founder and chief medical and scientific officer of Verily. Doctor, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for inviting me and for covering this this critical topic.